Hey friends, this is John Gunter at the Eagle Community Church of Christ. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. This week we're talking about prophecy again. Last week we talked about how to spot a false prophet, what to look for. Uh, this week what we're looking at is what are the marks of a true prophet? Uh, what do they have to do to show that they are from God, that they have the Spirit of God? And so I hope this will be uh, very helpful. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll be encouraging. And as, as always, we hope it helps you grow closer to God. Thanks again for tuning in. Come see us sometime. All right. Again, uh, so happy to be with you this morning as we uh, worship together. We have been in our study of the Holy Spirit, and this will continue for some time. And I don't know what you thought you would get when we talked about studying the Holy Spirit, but I hope it's been uh, informative. I hope you've learned uh, more about the Word of God. And uh, last week as we talked about uh, prophecy, I don't know what you had in mind, uh, but we've had a good, uh, good class over the subject as well this morning. Just as a reminder, uh, Dr. Wright from his book, Knowing the, the Holy Spirit Through the Old Testament, uh, said a few things about false prophets that were uh, maybe a little jarring. But here's what he said. He said, false prophets have a lack of personal moral integrity. By the standards of God's law, they were not even good Israelites, let alone good prophets. Uh, and so I would imagine if you thought he was talking to you, he you would be pretty upset. But he said, there's some ways to notice and to recognize false prophets, and there are these three things. Drunkenness, which we could point out, sexual immorality, which we're against, and then greed. And we had a great class this morning talking about what greed looks like or doesn't look like and how we can discern and sometimes how difficult it is to discern what greed looks like, especially in the lives of others. And so that was really what we looked at last week as we talked about uh, false prophets, because a lot is said, and we will go through quite a bit of Scripture today as well, uh, about prophets and also false prophets. Uh, but Nehemiah is where we're going to uh, start today as he looks back on the Holy Spirit in Scripture. And remember, uh, we've asked the question, what, what did the Israelites, what did the Hebrew people think about the Holy Spirit? And the answer to that is, well, it, it evolved over time. Their ideas of an understanding of what God did through His Spirit kind of evolved. So what we see a lot of times is a, uh, a prophet looking back and saying, that was the Spirit of God. Nehemiah does this in a couple of places in 9 uh, verse 20, he said, you gave your good spirit to instruct or teach them. You did not withhold your manna. So who's he talking about? People in Exodus, right? Yeah, Israelites in the Exodus. And you gave them water for their thirst. And so that's how Nehemiah looks back on this, uh, this thing. But he also says in 10 verses later, he said, for many years you were patient with them. By your spirit, you warned them. So we have teaching or instructing and also warning. He said, you warned them through your prophets, yet they paid no attention. Surely we're not all hard-headed in here, are we? So you gave them into the hands of the neighboring people. And that's the way uh, Nehemiah looks back on this, that both teaching, instructing, and warning are good prophecies. That as you're looking at prophets, that is something good in them, that teaching and warning comes from the Holy Spirit of God, not just some kind of future prophecy, uh, you know, this will happen at this time, but to teach and to warn. 
One of the ways you can mark or you can see what a true prophet is like is this. Number one, a true prophet had a compulsion to speak the truth. Now, you may think about prophets right now, people who claim to be prophets, and think, well, they have a compulsion to speak, certainly. But that's not what this is. This is a compulsion to speak the truth. And one of the best examples of this is a story that we find in Numbers between Balaam, who is, is known as a, uh, a prophet, and Balak, the king, who wants uh, Balaam to prophesy against the Israelites. And we see this in Numbers 24, 2. When Balaam looked out and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came on him. And so we see Balaam, and spoiler alert, Balaam wasn't even an Israelite. But the Spirit of God came on to Balaam when he was asked to prophesy. He said, uh, Balak says, now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. You see what he's wanting out of the prophet, right? Remember last week when we talked about how a lot of the false prophets, I'll tell you anything you want as long as you'll feed me or as long as you'll lay the alcohol out for me. I'll tell you anything you want. And Balak says, now come and put a curse on these people because they're too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. That's high and mighty praise about Balaam, is it not? This is what they thought about this non-Israelite prophet, that whoever he blesses will be blessed, and whoever he curses will be cursed. He is kind of the gold standard for this. The problem is that Balak obviously did not remember or did not know the promise that God made to Israel. And we think about the promise. We think about, I will make you into a mighty nation. But part of that promise is this from Genesis 12. God says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Uh-oh. Balak didn't know that, did he? I want you to curse these Israelite people. Well, God has already said, well, I will curse you uh, if you curse the Israelite people. And it says, and all people on earth will be blessed. Balaam tries three times, three times to curse the Israelite people. And you know what came out? Not that. He tries to curse them three times, and the only thing he can do was bless them. But Balaam was instructed only to say what God told him. Though they wanted a certain outcome, he was told, only prophesy what God has told you. So there was a little part in there that really wanted to know the truth. Now, they weren't happy about it. But there was a little part in Balak to say, okay, well, I do want to know the truth. And in the end, Balak is mad but here's Balaam's response. Balak, Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies, but you have done nothing but bless them. I haven't gotten my money's worth. I brought you in here to do a certain job, and you have done the opposite. Now, how many of you, if you bring a guy in here to do a certain job, and he does the opposite, are going to be real happy about that? That's exactly what he was dealing with here. You have done nothing but bless them. And he answered, 
must I not speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? You see the difference between a prophet filled with the Spirit of God versus a false prophet. A false prophet will tell you anything you want to know as long as you got the money or the food or the alcohol. A real prophet says, I can't speak anything other than what God has told me. Uh, skip over a few verses into 25 here. Uh, Balak said to Balaam, neither curse them at all nor bless them at all. So if you can't curse them, if you have to keep blessing them, just stop it all together because I don't want them blessed, right? And again, Balaam answered, did I not tell you I must do whatever the Lord says? You see the difference there. False prophets versus a real prophet. And Balak throws an absolute fit about this in Numbers 24. Then Balak's anger burned against Balaam. He struck his hands together and said to him, I don't know what that looked like. If he's just clapping in there or what? Struck his hands together and said, that's probably what he did. Dads, you know that, that move, don't you? He struck his hands together and said to him, I summoned you to curse my enemies, but you have blessed them these three times. Now leave it once and go home. I said I would reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. So you want to keep talking about how you can only say what the Lord tells you to say. Well, guess what? The Lord has kept you from getting your allowance, right? You're not getting what I have told you about. Balaam answered Balak, did I not tell the messengers you sent me? I love this response. Did I not tell the people you sent to me, the messengers, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything of my own accord, good or bad, to go beyond the command of the Lord, and I must say only what the Lord says. Again, so many times in Scripture, a non-Israelite, a non-Christian, someone outside seems to get it better than many who would claim Christ, many who would claim uh, the God that we know. But this is the mark of a true prophet. This is the mark of someone truly filled with the Spirit of God. And we talked last week about Micaiah, who sometimes is called Micaiah, sometimes Micah, not the same one as the book Micah. That's a different prophet. Uh, but he says the same thing as Balaam does here. In 1 Kings twenty-two fourteen. he says, But Micaiah said, As surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. A mark of a true prophet. Balaam does exactly uh, the same thing. It does what God says. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? But he says this about God. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So he's challenging, okay, who is God to you? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed. I cannot change it. Here, a true prophet, which is interesting as God pours his spirit on a non-Israelite. But you notice there that the spirit only gives what God has said, right? As Balaam and Micaiah say, I can only say what God has told me. So the Spirit of God came on both of them, and out comes the truth. And we see this in John 16. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. Okay, The Spirit is not going to tell you, which is a good test, if someone says, and I had this last week. Y'all are funny, by the way. 
I had several people come up and say, the Spirit of God, or, or I've got a message for you from God. Some of them were funny. One of them said, don't worry about the time, which is a good re- reminder for me, because I'm, I'm too worried about it sometimes. But the Spirit will not speak about something or in a way that is different from the way God has told you, right? Because as we read last week, the Spirit searches God who knows that person other than their spirit, right, inside of them. And the Spirit will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And so this comes from God. And so you're not going to hear something from the Holy Spirit again as I stand up here this week and say, what God has told me is that I need a private plane, like one of the televangelists said. And I think at one time he slipped up and said he didn't want to uh, ride with all the riffraff or something. They use some derogatory term. Uh, didn't want to be on the same plane breathing the same air as all you other folks, right? And so does that come from God? I don't think so. But God's word is truth. John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And so how do we discern truth? Number one, is this truth from Scripture? Okay, is this truth from Scripture? So when you walk up to me and you say, God told me to tell you, the first thing I'm going to do, probably a step back because I'm skeptical, but the second thing I'm going to say is, uh, second thing I'm going to do is weigh, is what you're telling me faithful to Scripture? Does that make sense? So is this something God has said in His Word? That would, be, that would fit with God's word. And, and often what we hear in society are things way out there, right? But number two, is this truth a contextual truth in the Bible or is it out of context? So again, weighing all of Scripture because I don't know if you guys know this, but people can pick and choose their Scriptures. Do you know that? Do you know that some people grab onto a verse and they'll, they'll write it for all it's worth and tell you this is what it says? But the problem with what it says is that what they say it says doesn't fit with the rest of context of Scripture. So number two, does it fit in with the context of Scripture? And number three, uh, you have to study like the Bereans. Donna took that from me this morning in class. I told her I was going to delete it out of my sermon, but I left it here anyway. As we try to discern what is true or what is not, we need to study like the Bereans in Acts 17. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica because they were better looking, right? Because they had more money. Because they were smarter. No. It says they were more noble character for they received the message with great eagerness. They were eager to receive this message. And they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Did you know you can question the Apostle Paul? Did you know you can question an apostle? Because what they did was they heard what Paul said or they read what he said and they took it immediately to God's word and says, is this true? And so that's how you discern this truth. All right, we started with number uh, one. We're all all the way to number two now, all right? Number one, they had a compulsion to speak the truth. They had to speak what was true from God, not interject my own feelings on the matter, 
not say just what I would like to have happen, but they said, just like Balaam did, I have to say what God has told me to say. And number two, they had the courage to stand for justice. Do you know that justice is important to God? Over and over, the prophets tell us how important it is to God for his people to have justice. In Zechariah 7, you haven't read from Zechariah lately, have you? Zechariah 7, verses 7 through 12. Are these not the words the Lord proclaimed through the earlier prophets when Jerusalem and its surrounding towns were at rest and prosperous and the Negev and the western foothills were settled? And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. If you don't take anything else away from this lesson today, take this verse away. Zechariah 7, 9. Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. Won't you put in verse 10 as well? But they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and covered their ears like we do often. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry because they did not listen to what is important to him. And so when we hear that this morning, are we covering our ears and hardening our hearts? Are we listening to the words of God? Words that may be very difficult. Prophets did not have it easy, did they? Prophets spoke from God with the courage that comes from God, but they knew people were not going to accept it. Thank you so much for giving me that word from God that makes me change everything that I'm doing, right? And so when God says, do not oppress the fatherless or the foreigner, maybe we ought to think, well, am I doing that? Maybe we look into our culture and, and our society and we say, well, maybe it isn't a good thing to ship foreigners all around the United States just as a political move. Can we be bold and say that as a church? That God cares about the foreigner. Actually, he, he warns the Israelites all the time to, be, to love the foreigner because you once were a foreigner. I love discussions that go back, and I, I remind people, you know, that this was not our land first, right? I had someone dear to me the other day say, well, everything before, basically, Columbus was kind of grandfathered in or something. I was like, what? Like, after we took everything, then we start from there, and now we've got some things to stand on. Well, God cares about all of this, how we treat the poor, the fatherless, how we administer justice and mercy and show compassion on one another. Isaiah 5, 16 says this, but the Lord Almighty will be exalted by his justice and the holy God will be proved holy by his righteous acts. Truth and justice are the very character of who God is. Psalm 97, 2 says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Do you know that? 
that when God says, or when Jesus says, love God with all your heart, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, he meant it. Not just the neighbor that lives next door that looks like you or that goes to the same school or is of the same uh, economic level as you are, but everyone that he cares for. We should know what God wants. In Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let, let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. Again, that's kindness, justness, and righteousness on earth. The prophets didn't just stay out of politics, did they? They spoke to kings. They spoke into injustices that would uh, threaten even their very lives. But the prophets had to speak what God told them. And one of my favorite verses in, uh, in Scripture, really, comes from the prophet Micah, uh, who has the book named after him. In verse 6, he says, in chapter 6, verse 8, he says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justless, or justless, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. As Christians, we are to know and to follow and to show importance to the things God shows importance to. We are to follow exactly what God has told us in his truth. And so everything we hear, everything we read as we go out into the world, we read books, we see on social media, we listen to the radio, everything has to be run through, is this a truth from God? And if it is, we go with it. But if it's not, we label it as false and act accordingly. And so are there prophets today? I think there are people who speak Truth from God's word every single day. Are there people who can say at this time, at this hour, I have no idea. But I know that everything I read, everything I have sent, if you missed class this morning, God's timing is perfect because he sent, uh, he sent, maybe he did say it, I don't know. There was a name on that, but it wasn't, it wasn't Yahweh. I got an email this week as we talked about false prophets and all the things they focus on that aren't necessary, aren't, aren't even Jesus-focused. Often they focus on end times, and I got an email this week that fit perfectly into that, and this person was so concerned that if you got a tattoo or a vaccination, that may be a sign or a mark of the beast. I'll just let you go figure that out for this week. But we read, as we read things, as we uh, go through life and we're confronted with things that may be like that, it's like, what do I do with this? We run everything through the filter. We try to discern everything like the Bereans did. We run everything through the filter of God's Word because to us, it is truth, if you believe that this morning. If you have not decided that this is truth, we want to encourage you to think strongly about this. That this Scripture we pick up, this thing we call the Bible, is 
God's Word revealed to us, revealing His character, revealing His plan for all of us. But you don't get to go, you don't get to be a part of the plan if you say no. God's grace, God's mercy is free. He has lavishly given us this free gift, and all we have to do is say yes. So if you have done that before and have strayed from him, we want to encourage you to come back. We'd love to pray with you. If you haven't begun that walk, we'd love to see you start that this morning. But if you have any needs, would you come as we stand and as we sing?